You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. It's Thanksgiving uh, when we're dropping this thing on. Yeah, I'm your host, Tim Loy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Watson, as uh, we get ready for uh, Turkey Day, man. It's, uh, you know, ready to, to lounge around and, uh, you know, eat myself into uh, multiple food comas while my money uh, wastes away on the NFL. Justin, uh, are you pumped for some Thanksgiving? I am, man. We don't usually get to have a full day at home, and uh, we'll get to do it this year, so I'm looking forward to it. Of course, uh, this week we have got a full episode for you here a little bit later. We're going to talk to Tyler Hampton ahead of his uh, participation in next week's uh, welterweight championship tournament at Tynite at the Joe. It's about 76. goes down December the 4th. For the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. We're also going to talk to Charlie Miller, uh, who is participating in the 145 pound championship tournament. That's right, two eight man championship tournaments going down next Friday night. Uh, but before that, Justin, we've got some uh, some house cleaning to do here. We're going to recap uh, what went down this past week. Of course, Bellator 253 was Thursday night, and uh, I'm digging that Thursday night MMA man. That's uh, you know a little bonus. I, I actually kind of forget about Bellator till it's time for Bellator. And uh, then I'm kind of pumped because I'm like, oh, shit, man, we've got uh, we've got, you know, nine or ten fights tonight. We can bet on them. Uh, Of course, this one uh, just uh, on the undercard of note, Baby Slice loses again, drops to three and three. Now, unanimous decision win to Kaheem Murray, who uh, I'd never heard of coming into this fight. Uh, Ferguson's gas take runs out after a good, strong first round, as we're used to. Second, third round, Ferguson didn't have anything for him. You think by now they would have shored this up, Justin? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got a big name to build off of, and I think they'll try to ride that as much as they can. But at this point, if he loses another fight and he's upside down, I mean, Bellator's, you know, not opposed to having people that are upside down maybe build some of your young guys off of him, use him as a uh, as a Bob Sapp type. <laughs> Of course, also on the other card, J.J. Wilson stays undefeated, moving to 7-0. and uh, Jaleel Willis from Memphis. Shout out to uh, to Memphis out there. Jaleel Willis with a unanimous decision win over a tough Mark Leminger, man. Mark Leminger's kind of like went on the slide here. He was, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Leminger was kind of like a pretty good prospect for them, undefeated for a while, or at least maybe just only one loss. Really good wrestling, but he drops to 11-3 uh, and three now. Jaleel Willis. Really solid win there at uh, at 170 pounds. He moves to 14 and two. Jeremy Kennedy unanimous decision over Matt Bissett. Uh, Raytheon Stutz with unanimous decision over Keith Lee. That's uh, the Motown phenom Kevin Lee's uh, little brother there. Uh, Joey Davis with a decision over Bobby Lee. Jason Jackson man knocks off Benson Henderson. How the mighty have fallen there. Unanimous decision. And then of course in the main event. Man, I like Darian Caldwell as the underdog. I thought this was going to be a closer fight. It wasn't close at all. AJ McKee with a uh, a neck crank uh, about a minute into the first round remains undefeated 17-0 over a very tough Darian Caldwell. I I thought Caldwell would be just a big step up for McKee. He passed it with flying colors, and now he moves on to that uh, 145 tournament final against uh, Patricio Pitbull. Your thoughts on the rest of this uh, Bellator card, Justin? 
Yeah, that was crazy. I had Darian Caldwell too as the underdog. Just I thought the experience would be um, a big factor in the fight, but it was a minute and eleven seconds, so didn't really get to see anything. Um, AJ just got into a, a tight position. I don't, I don't really, I don't understand uh, how Darian would tap to that so quickly, but um, I don't know what happens. I didn't like this fight for Benson. Um, I just thought Jason Jackson was too big, and that's what ended up being the case. You know, Jason Jackson's a solid prospect, um, and even though Benson's been around forever and he's got, you know, tons of experience, um, just being outsized that much, is you just can't you can't fight back from that, I think, sometimes. And uh, wasn't a smart move on his part taking that fight. That's two, two in a row now. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Benson's another one of those guys, like, how long do you keep Benson around for? What, what's you know, Benson's a former UFC champion, like and a a well-respected UFC champion, and now he's like losing in Bellator. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, not even in like title fights, he's just like just like losing. <laughs> so it's 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 a weird. Um, but I think that was a huge win for AJ McKee. He's, he's actually got. Um, there's still another fight, Emmanuel Sanchez and uh, Patricky. Um, I have to fight first, and the winner of that fight will fight AJ McKee. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just making predictions before that happens. Then. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Pitbull already won that fight once, so the money's on Pitbull to, to take it again. But um, that, that'll be fun to see him fight Pitbull, though. Man, AJ's he has had a pretty easy ride to 17 and 0, <laughs> and to see him fight Pitbull will be a uh, Pitbull's a fucking monster, dude. And then, of course, we had UFC 255 that went down Saturday night on pay-per-view. Uh, the uh, main event, of course, was a 125 title fight. Davis and Figueredo improves to 20-1 and one after a guillotine about two minutes into the first round over Alex Perez. Perez shot out of there quick, man. He was, uh, he was going for it, but uh, just, uh, you know. Uh, left his head in there and, and got that uh, just got stuck in the guillotine of Figueredo and uh, now uh, tumbles uh, from the window of opportunity I imagine Figueredo meanwhile uh, hardly breaks a sweat and he gets rebooked uh, very quickly uh, for the main event of the next pay-per-view UFC 256 very fast turnaround as he'll take on Brandon Marino who will talk about um, you know his win here in just a moment but uh, Justin Davis and Figueredo Made it look easy out there. Davidson Figueroa is scary, man. He's he's only suffered the one loss in a in a fight that there was you know he was injured going into the fight and you know there was a lot of things around it, but um, he's been perfect since. And I mean he's he's finishing everybody. He's I think he's absorbed seventy nine strikes. I think I saw or seventy one strikes in his last three fights. All three have been title fights. You know the first two against Benavides, um, and. The guy's scary, man. He, he's a different kind of mean. He's not going in there to play around with you. I mean, he, he wants to hurt you and make you look bad. Um, and, you know, he's, he's going to turn around and, and fight again here in just a couple of weeks. He's fighting December 12th. Um, so I think, that's, I think that's pretty cool. It's interesting to see how he does the weight cut, turning around in three weeks, cutting weight like that. Uh, he's a big he's a big flyweight who has missed weight before, obviously. That's why he had to refight Benavidez is because he missed weight. So, um but I think he's a monster, man. I, it's, he's a scary, scary dude for the division, and it's totally different than Demetrius Johnson because Demetrius had this nice guy aura about him that just doesn't sell that well. People just don't really flock to that. But 
Davison has that mean streak in him that people who like to watch fighting like to see a mean motherfucker out there hurting you. I mean that you just that's it. Look at the the most famous guys in the sport. That's that's who they are. You know they're like Conor McGregor. So they're the mean assholes, and that's what Davison Figueredo is, man. And it's while he was like a sushi chef like five or six years ago. He was a hairdresser not too long, you know a couple years ago, and now he's UFC world champion and looks like he's going to be for a long time as long as he wants to be you know so um your next super fight may be between davis and figueredo and um and whoever's at 35 at the time whoever takes that title if you know if they can defend it once or twice between peter yon and uh algermain i think you'll see davison go for that title and probably move up to 35 eventually Co-main event for the flyweight championship in the women's division battle. Go major favorite as high as twenty to one there at uh, when the fight went off. Uh, she takes unanimous decision win over Jennifer Maya. And uh, man, I tell you what, that was one of these fights where it was first off it was kind of a boring fight. It wasn't that entertaining a fight, but at the same time. Um, I had bet on Shevchenko to finish this fight, and she did not, man. Um, she she kind of played into Maya's uh, grappling expertise for the first couple of rounds, going for takedowns, and uh, she only lost one round. She lost the second round, but it felt just closer than that for whatever reason. Going into the fifth round, it just like you know, I knew she had enough rounds to win, but it just, you know, even giving up that one, that one round is so rare to see her give up a round. And uh, just the way that she had to attack this one wasn't aesthetically pleasing. And it certainly didn't score very well on uh, fantasy. Uh, Maya, I guess on the other hand, showed that she can survive uh, to a degree uh, at this level. Uh, man, I don't know. Um, one of these fights where Shevchenko just did what she had to do. You know, she kind of sat Maya's gas tank early, and then she finally started kind of letting it cut loose with the grappling there in the last couple of rounds. I think the oddest part about it was scary because Shevchenko wanted to, to wrestle. Every round Shevchenko was shooting. Um, in the second round, she she kind of got off balance, and Maya reversed it and got on top and stayed there the whole round. And that's where Jennifer Maya is dangerous is on the ground. So if you know, okay, now we're in the fourth round and all four rounds, she's shot fucking, you know, within a minute, Valentina's shooting. So she, she's giving Jennifer Maya the only opportunity she can, she has to win. She's given it to her for the entire round, every round. So yeah, I think in the fifth round, it was like, damn dude, just fucking stand (laughs) up, you know? And, um, but, but yeah, I think the, um, the odds got to after going into the third round after she lost that round um going into the third round she was a minus 300 so i mean you, like if you're ever going to put money on shevchenko you know that was she was the biggest favorite ever in a ufc fight um at 20 to 1 and i don't see it going anywhere else man like she's gonna fight um probably old uh fucking what's her name coming up from andrage yeah probably andrage i guess but i don't see andrage giving her any problems I think she's too big. I think she's just like. I think Andrade's only only chance is if she just hits a big one hitter. You know, Andrade does have power. You know, that's one thing. Uh, you know, Calvillo, who uh, you know, we're going to talk about that fight. Caitlin Chikagian, unanimous decision win as an underdog over Cynthia Calvillo. I like Chikagian there, plus two hundred or whatever there she was. But uh, Calvillo just couldn't really take her down. She couldn't get the fight where she wanted it, and Chikagian kind of just picked her apart like she does. Chikagian already got ran through by Shevchenko, so that's not a fight anybody wants to see. Calvillo, had she won, 
would probably have been in the conversation for the title fight, but now it's got to be Andrade. At the very least, Andrade has shown like big power, so like there's always a chance that she could, like clip her and knock her out. I don't think that uh, many of these other people can even say that. But uh, yeah, that, that's you're probably right. I'd say I think it'll be Andrade here. She'll be a big underdog, but I don't think she'll be as big an underdog as uh, Maya was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think the only other person that has a has claim to it say Laura Murphy. I mean, she's she's won four in a row. You know, like the, the fact is, she's won four in a row in the division, and Andrade just came to the division, came up into the division, so. I could see them making that fight, um, and that would be it would be record-setting odds against Laura Murphy. But uh, Andrade would probably be a little closer than Calvia, but I think that it would still be. I mean, uh, I think Andrade would be a little bit closer than uh, Laura Murphy, but I think it would still be pretty pretty long. Calvia looked like dog shit though, man. She she didn't look like she belonged in that weight class. She looked like she needed to go back down, um, and I don't know. She, that was it was. Not a good look for Calvia. Feature bout, the Dirty Bird, Tim Means, takes the unanimous decision win over Mike Perry, who misses weight by six and a half pounds. Then he dabs on the scale after he misses weight. You don't give a shit, man. Uh, that said, I still took him. I still took him, Justin. I did. I couldn't help myself. I just, I've seen Means get folded up so many times that I just thought eventually Perry was going to find the button. But then I'm like, Man, Perry hasn't found the button on anybody in a long time. Like, you know, you kind of remember him doing that a few, like, three years ago. But, like, he hasn't done it recently. And he didn't, he didn't do it this night. Tim Means didn't gas either. That was another thing. It's like, in these other fights, Tim Means just kind of slowed down in second, third rounds. He, he did not. He looked good. Perry looked desperate and just, like, shit, really. But, uh, you know, I, I heard they asked Dana White afterward if this was going to cost him his job. And it doesn't sound like he said that he puts on exciting fights. Yeah, it's weird, man. Um, I was on Tim Means early on this one. You know, the odds were a lot higher in in Perry's favor before he missed weight, then they went pretty even. Um, but I was on Tim means early because Tim means is a dirty bird. I mean, that's, that's what he is. He's tall, long. He can keep you at distance. He can eat shots. He hit Mike Perry with like six or seven jabs in a row. Just pop, 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 yeah. And you know, like what do you, you, you can't, there's, you can't just go swinging at a guy like that. Who's just popping you pop shot, pop shot, pop shot. You're, you know, it's going to wear on you. And I think Mike Perry, you know, the biggest win for him was making it to a decision. I think that showing that he, you know, he, he missed weight that much. So the cardio, he must not have put in as much work as he probably should have. Um, but he was still able to make it all the rounds. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I I see what Dana's saying. He is a fun fun guy to watch. But um, I just don't see much value in him anymore. You know, like we saw him, we saw him in Nashville – and he elbowed uh, Jake Ellenberger yeah. and knocked him the fuck out. Remember? Yeah, yeah. And like, when that happened, you're like, damn, this motherfucker might be the next thing. Like, yeah. he's like the next Robbie Lawler coming up. But that just kind of stopped, you know. And he he just kind of fell off. He just got too many things outside the octagon. I think if he he impressed me with his wrestling defense, and he landed the only takedown in the fight. You know, he took Tim Means down yeah. right away and took his back and was threatening from there, which was surprising. Um, but I don't know, man, if he gets his life straightened out, maybe he can do something, but I could see him, you know, keeping him around for a while just because 
he is he is fun to watch. He's going to get eyes on him, you know. Leading off the pay-per-view, Paul Craig gets a TKO. His Mauricio Shogun who attaps the strikes in the second round. It's got to be it, man. It's got to be it. It's a rough way to go out. <laughs> getting, getting tapped to strikes to Paul Felder, you know. Felder's going to beat you, then it needs to at least be with a triangle, you figure, right? It's like, man, that's rough. Because, like, I mean, not to take anything away from Paul Craig, but it's not like he really, to me, still didn't really raise any stock here. It's not like he really did anything besides just beat up on the shell of a man. And that is, uh, that's sad to say. He kind of killed it. Did you see the post-fight interviews, the post-fight press conference at all? He was... So, did you see when right at the end of the, the final sequence, uh, he was going to take Shogun down and Shogun oil checked him, just shoved his fingers right up his ass. And they were talking about it on the broadcast. Rogan's like, he just fucking oil checked, you know. And then, so in the interview, Rogan mentioned it to him. And uh, in the post post fight press conference, he's like, you know, if you're going to get, he's like, you know, normally you got to take a man out before you get the stick, get the old stinky fingers, but. You know, it's Shogun, so fuck it. <laughs> but uh, I guess Shogun had an injury right off the first takedown. He fucked his elbow up. It looked pretty nasty. It was real swollen. Um, but that's definitely not how I would have seen that fight finishing. I think, you know, especially for things like, you know, stuff like that. Should that Shogun 15 years ago would not have let that stop him. He would have fought through that. Um, and, you know, at this age, he just... I don't know. I, I don't want to see him keep going, um, but it's hard for these guys to walk away, man. It's all, the only thing you know, you know, and he's still not even 40, I don't think. Uh, I think he's 39 or something, um, and so he's still got half his life left, and, you know, he's got to figure out a whole new life now. The preliminaries headliner, Brandon Marino, uh, gets a, uh, uh, I guess it was a TKO technically over Brandon Roy Val. I was on Roy Val here. But, man, Marino just looked really good. Roy Val, it was a bit of a shoulder injury. I guess his shoulder got dislocated there, and they ended up having a call with one second left to go in the first round. So it would have been nice to go to a second round just because Roy Val's so opportunistic, I guess. He never, I think he was losing. Don't get me wrong. He was getting dominated. But a guy like him, you know, if you can start standing again and just get a chance to do something crazy, you know. Right, yeah. So, uh, but all the same, props to Brandon Marino, and he punches his ticket to a title fight at UFC 256 against Davis and Figueredo. A lot of people thought that he should have gotten that title fight on this card anyway over Alex Perez. Of course, that 256 card also lost Peter Yawn and Aljamain Sterling. So they needed to scramble around and make something happen uh, to save that pay per view. Yeah, looking back on it, I'm assuming that they already knew. So Peter Yawn has a visa issue and can't come to the U.S. apparently. And I'm assuming that the UFC already had indications going into Saturday night that that was the case. And uh, so they probably had plans beforehand. Like, look, if these guys both get out of there without, um, you know, without any suspensions, we gotta, we're just going to match them right away. And it was the match to make originally, I think. Um, it sucks for Roy Ball, man. Like you say, he is he was getting beat early, but you just never know. I mean, Roy Ball is that that's kind of his game. It's like he's this scrappy dude that just never goes away, and eventually he's gonna fucking catch you. And with one second left, you know, I don't know if you saw it or not. There's been a couple memes that I've seen afterwards too, but uh, his coach Mark Montoya popped it back into place, and Mark Montoya like pops it back into place. 
And Revolve just falls onto him like, thank you for helping me. Like, why didn't the ringside position do that? The ringside position was like, oh, let's wait until we get to the back. I, I don't know. Like, the ringside position looked at him and didn't do anything. And then Mark Montoya pops it back into place and looks at the camera and just, like, has this fucking craziest look in his eye, dude. And, uh, but, you know, it makes you think, like, what if the referee wouldn't have stopped? Royval was actually trying to put it back in himself when the referee stopped. And if you watch the video, he's getting punched in the face, but he's trying to, you know, yank on that arm with his other arm. And uh, if, if the, you know, if it seems like it's something that has happened to him before, I've got an arm that sublocates like that. And if, if it's something that he's used to and his coach has done this, you know, multiple times, maybe he could have gotten up and faked it enough to get to his corner, yeah. get it popped in and still fight, you know? Like, I don't, I don't dismiss that he would have done that, um, but he didn't have the opportunity. And I think he'll get a quick turnaround, though. Dana was saying he'll have a seven to ten day suspension. Um, it's not, not an injury of, of any, um, you know, substance. So um, I think they're going to get him back in there ASAP. Joaquin Buckley gets another knockout, 18 seconds into the second round over Jordan Wright. I was kind of on. I didn't end up pulling the trigger on right. I'll say that. I, 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 but however, on the record last week on the show, I, I, I was looking at Jordan Wright, you know, and uh, just because of the size, you know, and thought maybe Buckley was getting a little overhyped from that knockout. But then I uh, started realizing that, like, the UFC wants him to knock these people out. The UFC wants they that's what they want on they're trying to build this guy they're trying uh, to give him guys to do that with and uh to Wright's credit he you know showed some pretty you know he's pretty game in the first round the second round uh didn't take long for him to get swarmed and he was hurting at the end of the first round uh Buckley moves to 12 and 3 and we've got some heat with him and James Krause man um that's fight to make you better better make it now before Buckley loses yeah i mean i think that you know, Jordan Wright is the guy that Buckley has been knocked out before, too, and stiffened up by Kel- Kevin Holland. So mm-hmm. the, the style that he brings, he's either going to knock you out or he's going to get stiffened up. And so, you know, I think Jordan Wright is the perfect person to stiffen a guy like that up with, with some of the long, the reach and the kicks that he has. Um, but Joaquin Buckley was just able to put too much pressure on him. I did pull the trigger on Wright, and I fucking was kicking myself for it at the end. But the only thing I, the only thing about the James Cross fight is that Joaquin Buckley is a lot bigger than James Cross. <laughs> James Krause was a 55er who's now a 70 pounder, which is, you know, as he's gotten older, he's probably filled out into a 70 more. But Joaquin Buckley is probably, well, I guess he did come in a little underweight for this. He, I think he weighed in at like 183 and a half. So maybe he's uh, thinking about moving down. But, you know, James Krause will go to 85 and fight him. He's done it before. He's not afraid to do it. Um, and I saw he tweeted something today about, I don't know if Joaquin has been calling other people from the gym out or what, but James Cross said, look, you're not fighting any of my teammates. If you want to fight, we'll fight. But if not, then shut the fuck up. I'm ready to go do something else. Um, so I guess they've got some beef because Joaquin wanted to train there and James, James wouldn't let him. He said he brought too much bad energy. And uh, I don't know. I guess it would be a fun fight, man. James is definitely the more technical fighter, but Joaquin Buckley's just coming straight at you throwing bombs. So, like, I don't know. I think James Krause's best best shot is sit back, wait for him to, to start throwing, duck under, shoot a takedown, and just ride the rounds out, you know, or look for a submission. I don't know how how good Joaquin Buckley is going to be on the ground, but um, James James is definitely sufficient if efficient there. So, um, could be a fun fight. 
rounding out the prelims. Antonina Shevchenko defeats Ariane Lipsky. I was on the wrong side of that one, too. Uh, Shevchenko's ground game uh, much improved uh, from what we saw last time out. Nicholas Dalby, unanimous decision. Robbery over Daniel Rodriguez. Good gracious. Man, this is, it's been a minute since I've been just straight mad about a decision. And it, I mean, I, honestly, if I had not bet on this fight, then I probably wouldn't have even paid any attention at all because it wasn't like it was a great fight. <laughs> but, uh, man, I don't see how it's three rounds uh, or I don't see how two names decision, especially on one card, three rounds to nothing. Man, uh, I mean, Rodriguez outlanded Dobby all three rounds. Dobby unsuccessful on any takedowns. Didn't have any more like control time. Don't get me wrong. Rodriguez didn't do, do him so many favors. He could have probably fought harder and, and done more, but like, come on. This is one of the more egregious decisions I've ever seen. Alan Juban takes a, uh, a really nice unanimous decision. Went over Jared Gooden. Juban, 38 years old, you know, 38 years young, I should say, because he looked good out there. His boxing was sharp as he was just the quicker man against Jared Gooden. Probably good for hanging in there for all three rounds. That's a tough uh, debut opponent for, for your UFC debut. Uh, he, he had a good accounting for himself. Uh, Kyle Dalkus with the unanimous decision went over Dustin Stoltzfus. Uh, I was on Stoltzfus, took a stab at the underdog there, and he was game, man. He was live. He was just like so undersized that Dalkus seemed like he was so much bigger than him. And then a big upset to start the card off to really just wreck every parlay I had. Sasha Palatnikov with a, uh, a third round TKO over Louis Tossi, who uh, looked great in the first round. He, he dropped him. A lot of referees might have stopped that fight. Sasha was hurt, but he managed to weather the storm. Tossi completely gassed because he's never been out of the first round before, let alone uh, into the third round, and he was completely out of gas. Miserably so. Palatnikov comes back and gets the finish. I had Kossi everywhere, and it more or less put a damper on my night just like immediately. Like I knew there was, I was just going to be fighting to get even. Yeah, I'm the same way. I probably had him on three or four different parlays that were like, I, they probably all hit. I, I don't even, I didn't watch them after that, but like, they probably all hit, but that, they were all pretty safe. And, um, I don't know. He blew it on that one. Sasha was, I mean, he was game. You know, he stayed in there and uh, weathered the storm. And he's got, you know, good striking. He's got good head movement and was able to get out of the way of the big shots of Costco. And um, I think it was a good one for him. Alan um, Jovan, uh, you know, we talked about before, you know, he's had a weird, a weird career, but he's one of those guys that's just like, you know, he looks like a Greek god or something. He would be the perfect marketing tool. Uh, if we could ever get strength and wins together and like you, you would think they could sell the hell out of him, but, um, you know, he picked up a good win and Derek Gooden was game the whole time, like 15 seconds left. The coaches are yelling at Joe band. Joe band's got him in a guillotine. Just squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. And the coach is saying 15 seconds, put it all in there. And Joe band's yeah, he's like 15 seconds. All right. <laughs> he's there squeezing. And I mean, it, I thought Jared Gooden was going to go. Rogan was saying he was tapping at the end, but, um, that was a, a fun fight. Um, and then, uh, let's see here. What was that last? Oh, yeah. And then that, that Rodriguez and Dolby decision was absolutely crazy. Um, I, I bet Rodriguez on that one, too. Had him in several parlays. Uh, so that, that one that one ate me up. Um, and Tina Nino Shevchenko was, would probably be uh, my – one of my higher, you know, rankings of the night. I think she came back and she just lost in her last fight where she got out wrestled, out grappled. And she did that to Lipsky 
in this fight. You know, I think both those girls must have been uh, wrestling hard in the off camp because uh, it's what they wanted to do the whole time. And she got a TKO finish um, and looked really good. And then, of course, that will uh, wrap up UFC 255 as we roll into a, a quick preview of this weekend's Thanksgiving card at UFC uh, Fight Night. Um, and it's uh, going to be one of these Vegas cards there at the Apex, of course. ESPN Plus for the prelims, ESPN 2 for the main card. Main event, this one, heavyweight action. Curtis Blades takes on the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Um, yeah, these are two highly ranked heavyweights. We know their path to victory. I think that's fairly, um, fairly certain. I'm not a Curtis Blades fan. I'm, uh, not, uh, real high on the way he fights. He's, you know, he's uh, unashamed at the way he fights. You know, he's, you know, he's just going to go for the win. He's not going to go out of his way to put on an exciting fight for the fans. Derek Lewis, on the other hand, you know, he's a hitter. He's not, he's not going to want to be grinded on. And he's got the power to come back. You know, you think back to that Alexander Volkov fight where he, he was getting beat till he wasn't getting beat. So he's dangerous at the beginning of every round. Curtis Blades, a heavy favorite, pretty much bordering on 4-1 to at this point. Um, I've got to take a shot at Derek Lewis, not with a whole lot of confidence, but I, I certainly like the payout if he ha- happens to get it done. I, I Like I said, I don't. I'm not going to just really think that Derrick Lewis has a good chance to win, but I'll take plus uh, 315 or whatever. Yeah, man, I, I think that um, Blades' is kryptonite so far, you know, his two losses were to Francis, who's a big hitter. That's what, that's what um, Derrick Lewis brings. Um, and an improved gas tank. Much improved. I mean, he's, we've seen him go to a decision a couple times and, um, you know, or right to the end with the Volkov fight. And, you know, I think that, with with Curtis Blades in his last fight, he fought Volkov last, and um, his gas tank was very questionable. I don't know if you saw the post fight interview; I mean, he couldn't breathe. Like he, it was it was uh, very obvious he had no more left in him, you know. Um, and this is a main event fight. This is a five round fight. So, what you know, I don't know how either one of these guys make it past to, you know to the end. But um, I think that Derek Lewis, you know, is, if if he's able to stay in there for for four or five rounds, he may be able to to get uh, you know a gassed out um, Curtis Blades enough to where he can just land one big one. And um, I'm excited for it. Though. I think this is going to be a fun fight. Uh, I think that Derek Lewis is going to make it a fun fight. I'm I'm very hopeful, but uh, I hope not to be disappointed. Curtis Blades may just make it a fucking snooze fest. Co main event in what looks to me like fight that is kind of. Um, you know, a bit of a softball here for Anthony on Ben Brown Bear Clark, the light heavyweight contest. Uh, now, Anthony Smith uh, in for Shamil Gazmatov in this one. So it's a bit of a late, late replacement. But, uh, I mean, I, I feel like Anthony Smith's supposed to win this fight. He's, he's I feel like it's a value. And then right now, Anthony Smith's minus 135. I think he's. It's either it's either win this fight or he's done, you know, like that. Devin Clark is not, is not, you know, an extremely dangerous guy. He's a durable guy. You know, um, he got the win over Alonzo Minifield after Minifield almost had him knocked out in the first round. But then Minifield gassed and Clark kind of just kept coming and kept grinding. Um, I think it's a major step down for Anthony Smith. Uh, comparatively speaking to what he's been fighting and uh, more or less is a must win for Anthony Smith, but I'm going to go with it at minus 135. 
Yeah, I think, you know, Anthony Smith loses. I think he still has a couple fights with the promotion, um, but his, his title contention's over. There is no more, you know, thinking that Anthony Smith can compete with the top guys if he loses this fight. Um, and he may be cool with that, man. He's like 36, 37. He's got a, you know, a cushy little job at the at, at ESPN doing commentary. Yeah, yeah, been getting his teeth. Not like, what the fuck, man? It's kind of, you know, you got kids. So, um, I don't know, man. But Anthony Smith loves to fight. So, it's gonna. he's one of those guys that it'll be hard to get him to, to step away from it. Um, but like you said, you know, I think Devin Clark is, you know, I don't know. I think, I think Anthony Smith should get a finish. Um, probably, probably under, under, uh, one and a half in this one. Rounding out the main card, Josh Parisian takes on Parker Porter in heavyweight action. I like Josh Parisian there, even though he is a fairly large favorite. Uh, Miguel Baeza takes on Takashi Sato. That should be a pretty fun fight. Two good action guys. Uh, Baeza opened closer to minus 200, but a lot of money coming in on Sato is now, uh, Baeza down to minus 150. Um, also on the main card, opening it up. This one should be fun. Bill Algeo, Spike Carlisle, the ginger ninja. Uh, Carlisle's all action, man. That guy goes for it. I like him. Uh, he's a ball of fire for the first round and then still pretty dangerous in the second and third rounds. Just, you know, not quite as dangerous as the first round, but definitely uh, an exciting fighter to watch. Bill Algeo last time out, we saw him give uh, Ricardo Lamas a lot more than we expected him to. He gave him a really good fight. So uh, I see this being a pretty good one. Uh, any thoughts on the rest of this main card? Um, Parker Porter, he's a he's a big old fluffy boy. Ain't he? he is. He's, yeah, he's a bad boy. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'd say that probably. Uh, I don't know, man. He, he's funny to watch. Uh, Baez is, you know, coming off of a big knockout. Um, but you know, Sato, I think they're going to go in there and throw. So uh, somebody probably gets dropped in that one. Bill Algea is, is a super tough dude. I think that these odds are a little stretched. I mean, Spike Carlisle is, is you know, like a Tasmanian devil just nonstop, but he's lost some and won some, and um, Algea is going to be there till the end. I think it's going to be a real fun fight to watch. Going into the prelims here, Ashley Evan smith takes on Norma Dumont in a lower-tier uh, 135 women's fight. Martin Day, the Hawaiian fighter, takes on Anderson Dos Santos at 135. Another even lower tier <laughs> female profile here. Rachel Ostovich takes on Gina Mazzani. Um, that's that's really uh, borderline UFC level, in my opinion. Kai Kamaka, uh, late replacement for Sean Woodson, takes on Tri-Cities product Jonathan Pierce, a guy we've seen uh, several times in the Valor cage. Uh, very familiar with him. I think he's going to have a I've seen conflicting reports here. I'm looking at Tapology. It says this fight's at 145. I've heard the fight's at 155. And honestly, that's a big deal because, because Jonathan Pierce has a hard time making 145 and has not fought at 145 in quite some time. Struggles to make 145. And making and, and you'll see a lot of like catchweight 150 fights, you know, where he didn't want to quite go down to 45. But he's a big guy at 45 if he can make it. Um, if it fights at 55, he's even a bigger guy. Uh, Kai Kamaka, it makes 135. And so if the fight's at 45, you know, I think Kamaka is m- more worthy of his um, of his high price tag, which right now is up there at minus 300. But if this is at 155 and Pierce doesn't have to worry about a weight cut, he's going to be considerably bigger. 
slower, but so much stronger, so much better wrestling, probably. And I probably think Pierce is a, if this fight's at 155, then Pierce is a pretty solid bet at plus 260. Um, Sue Murdejai, I butcher that every time. And then I'll like listen to the broadcast and try to figure out how to say it. And I'll have it. And then I don't have it again. Uh, he takes on Malcolm Gordon, you know, flyweight, and then opening up the main card. Real good fight. Nate Manis, Kentucky product from up at Hard Rock, 12 and 1, takes on Cool Hand Luke Sanders. Uh, big fan of Luke Sanders, 13 and 3, been out for a minute. It'll be, uh, he's just had a baby too. So be interested to see if, if Luke Sanders comes back at, you know, his full capability. I like him all day to beat Nate Manis, but Nate Manis with a considerable height and reach advantage and a very tough guy, good chin. If Luke Sanders comes in on point, it could be a long night point. We might see things a little different, but I personally am excited for both the female fights. Are you really? Yeah, man. I love watching Ashley Evan Smith fight. And I like watching uh, Race to Ostrovich fight. Yeah. Yeah, she goes mass. I just hope one's going to fall out one time, I guess. Uh, Gina Mazzani's not bad, though, man. She's been getting a lot better training with, um, uh, what's his name, from the Black Zillions. Uh, used to fight. You know what I'm talking about? Gina Mazzani's coach. Now? Yeah. She's Tim Elliott's girlfriend, you know. Yeah, she is Tim Elliott's girlfriend. Anyway, um, she's been been getting a lot better, I think. Uh, race, Rachel Osovich, I think, just kind of got there on on her looks and um, didn't really didn't really earn her way there. Gina Mazzana has fought top competition for a while now, and um, you know she's. Uh, I think that she she probably picks up this win. Um, uh, Dean, Th- Dean Thomas is, is who's been coaching her. Um, Ashley Evan Smith, um, I don't know who New- Norman DuPont is, but uh, Ashley Evan Smith is uh, fun to look at. Um, but she can't fight for shit, so <laughs> that's not what I'm going to be tuning in for. Um, yeah, and I agree with you with with Jonathan Pierce and Kamaka. I, originally, I thought that that fight was at 45, just assuming, I guess. Um, but then when you told me it was at 55, I, yeah, that's going to be tough. Um if, if Pierce can, is going to have that much size on him, uh, it's going to be tough to overcome. It would be hard not to play that. Um, but at 45, he may just be too too sucked out. Um, and Kamaka is just going to be way faster than him at, at either spot. So if he's sucked out and, and having trouble moving around, Kamaka probably just tears him, tears him apart. But if he's you know healthy and, and hydrated at 55, it's going to be hard to get out, get out from uh, underneath him. Um and that's Luke Manis and, and uh, Nate Sanders, or Luke Sanders and Nate Manis, um, two guys that are kind of from this area, you know, that you know could have potentially matched up on the local scene at some point. Um, here, getting it, uh, you know, Nate Manis is eleven and one, I think, and Luke Sanders is thirteen and three, maybe or something. So, um, you know, both these guys are, are are looking to make a name for themselves and. Um, like you said, Nate Manis is a little longer, but Luke Sanders is just a dog. I mean, he's going to drive inside and, and just try to bully him. And uh, I think, like you, I think that if Luke shows up ready to fight, I think um, he's just going to bully Nate around most of the night. Of course, we'll be back next week to recap this along with our uh, preview and uh, picks panel for the uh, Muay Thai fight night, which we're going to get into now as we welcome our first of two guests into the Valor Hour. Of course, first, we're going to talk to Tyler Hampton. Let's get Tyler Hampton on the line. All right. Up first on the line tonight, we've got a couple of 
leaders over at Triple Crown Juggernaut up in Florence, Kentucky. Tyler Hampton joins us along with head coach Jeff Johnson. Tyler Hampton getting ready to uh, throw down again uh, on short uh, short turnaround. Of course, we just saw him uh, last month at uh, the last event with a big win over Austin Nations and uh, a little bit of a, a knock the rust off kind of fight as he gets ready to enter this eight man uh, one night Muay Thai Championship tournament. It goes down next Friday night at the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. Friday, December the 4th, it's Valor 76, tie night at the Joe. Tyler, my man, how's it going? Pretty good, sir. How you doing? Doing well. I appreciate you guys taking a few moments uh, out of your uh, your preparations to join us and chat us up a little bit about this fight next week. Of course, uh, we've been seeing a lot of Triple Crown guys uh, come down the pike and, uh, and into the Valor cage here over the past several months, doing very well, accounting well for you guys, uh, for yourselves. And, uh, of course, Jeff Johnson, your coach there, uh, a big part of that. We're excited to have uh, another – what have we got? Uh, we've got three of you guys coming uh coming into town this weekend of course uh mainly we'll, we'll talk about everybody but uh first we'll talk about you tyler before we get uh too deep into things for our listeners that aren't familiar with you uh, or haven't seen you throw down uh give us a little bit of your background i, I see maybe just from looking at your topology your transplant maybe from uh from another area uh just talk a little bit about your background and martial arts and kind of you know your how we got to where we are today Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, I've been doing uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 11 years. Uh, last three years, I've been getting into doing uh, kickboxing up in Indiana, doing a K1 with stand-up warrior. I've had two matches with them, and then uh, last month I got down there with you guys. It was a good experience. I appreciate you guys having us down there. Triple Crown's ready to grind. Most definitely, man. You got that win by stoppage there in the first round over Austin Nations. And I recall thinking during that fight and, uh, you know, Jeff kind of gave me a heads up on this going into it. You know, this guy's combos are just ridiculous. And, you know, it was really just one. It was like on nearly a two minute long combination, more or less, against Austin Nations. You just don't stop throwing, uh, you know, yeah. talk a little bit about that. boxing. Yeah, right. Talk a little bit about that fight. Uh, you know, it, it had been a little bit of a break for you since you'd, uh, you know, uh, been in the cage. Uh, talk a little bit about that, about that fight, knocking the rust off and, um, you know, uh, anything you took out of it. Uh, yeah, I was super excited for it. Um, we were trying to pick up a match at 155. I was, I was super excited that Austin uh, was ready to get in there and uh, get some action in there with me. Um, yeah, it just felt good to get back in there and get the work in, go through a good camp, get ready for it. So, of course, now uh, you turn your uh, sights to a little bit of a tougher task as uh, you'll be entering the eight-man tournament here next weekend. One night, the winner of this thing is going to win three times and uh, take home a real, uh, take home a really nice belt in the process. Um, of course, in the uh, welterweight division uh, for the Valor Championship, you're lined up in the first round. And, of course, you don't want to look too far. We're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the field. But first off, we know your first round opponent is going to be Derek Smith out of the Lee Kickboxing Academy, a fellow Kentuckian up there, actually. Odd and oddly enough, you guys square off in the first round. Uh, talk a little bit about this match up there. Are you familiar with Derek? We've seen Derek, uh, you know, several times in the in the Valor cage. He's uh very technical fighter, uh, trains with Zach Fox and Tyler Chrisman there in Beattyville. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's won some, he's lost some, but he's always had a, a solid accounting for himself. Uh, your thoughts on this matchup and how uh, how you think you guys size up? Uh, I think it's going to be a super exciting match, man. Uh, he, he's got some nice experience. I think he's, he's got some nice obstacles to uh, match up against. It's going to be awesome to throw down with him. I've wanted this fight for him for like two years now. I've yeah, well, I, 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 we got about right. 
we got to buy random draw too. That's what's crazy. And it was like one of those like final, like they were the only two names not drawn. So it's like, uh, it was kind of crazy how I lined up. Um, I think that, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. This is one of my favorite first round matchups for sure. Um, Talk a little about about what you uh, what your game not saying so much of what your game plan is, but you know, in, in a tournament like this where you know that you potentially have two more fights after it is a situation where you want to go out there, you want to go balls to the wall, you want to get them out of there quick, conserve as much energy as you can as you go into these later rounds, or is this something where you maybe are a little more methodical and you kind of stretch your lungs out a little bit, don't take too many risks because uh, just in case you may get clipped, may get cut. Uh, what's the you know what's your mindset as far as that goes? Um, I think as far as the energy, man, from doing jits tournaments where we've had like 20 man brackets, I'm, pre- I'm pretty used to going pretty deep and for- having competitions back to back. But uh, I'm just getting in. We're coming to fight, man. We're not point fighters. So we want we want to get in there, get our work done, move on to the next one. Yeah, as we, a fr- uh, the way we train, the way we train has actually been tournament style. So in the mornings, we get a group of guys together and we simulate fights like and and you'll hear some stories that uh, when the fight team gets together, it's not light sparring. It's (laughs) we're going to go out. We're going to go in here and fight. And uh, we've pretty much been simulating tournament style. Okay, these three guys are going to fight for two minute rounds, three two minute rounds. And then we're switching, get another guy in, stuff like that. So the way we train is exactly the way this tournament is set up. And one thing, no matter if Tyler finishes even 30 seconds or it goes all three rounds, I'm willing to bet my entire bankroll that I have that Tyler will still be jumping rope and acting like nothing happened. So the cardio is good, according to Coach Johnson here. Uh, Jeff, you know, you, you already mentioned this is a fight that you wanted, uh, you know, for a couple of years. What is it that you like about this matchup? Well, that is a great question. I'm. I love the Dutch style version of kickboxing. I, I love Muay Thai as well, but the Dutch style has always been our style, really heavy with the hands, mixing up the kicks. And we've been really clinch heavy for the past couple of months because of the tie rules. And um, just Derek is a very technical fighter. He likes sure. to be like water. Now, Tyler, on the other hand, wants to be the rock that he smashes into that pond. All right, so pretty much you have the nice, I don't care what's her, I'll talk crap for Tyler. You can be pretty all you want, but we're going to come in ugly and take the win. I love it, man. I love it. Looking on into uh, into this bracket here, it's loaded. Uh, the winner of your five will take on the winner of Rob Renderly, uh, who will take on the uh, late replacement in um, Lamardo Christopher. Not a lot known about these guys. Lamardo Christopher, I know out of the Blaylock's IMB camp, uh, trained by Chet Blaylock down there, looks to be athletic. Uh, again, I know even less about Rob Renderly here, but being trained by Warren Thompson down there in Atlanta, you know he's he's going to uh, you know come ready to go. Uh, any any insight on that fight at all, or uh, you just going to kind of take it as it comes? Honestly, I know the Lamardo camp, and if I'm correct, Lardo, Lamardo is going to have extremely fast hands. And he's going to have really good footwork. If it gets into a clinch battle, though, it's probably going to be 50-50 with those guys. But I don't see it getting finished. I see that fight going all three rounds. And then, of course, on the other side of the bracket, uh, very interesting. We've got uh, one of your protégés also in this bracket, uh, Justice Bumpus, another triple crown guy uh, with a juggernaut boxing. Uh, you know, uh, we made sure we separated uh, uh, Tyler and Justice to where they would only clash if it ended up being in the finals. Uh, that, to me, Justice and Bronson Bazorgi is one of those fights that is going to be like 
no no matter what is going to be good both of those guys really bring it uh any thoughts on that matchup for your guy justice jeff of course uh, i know you'll be partial to your guy but uh that's a fight that i think will be very fun i'm gonna tell you exactly what's gonna happen it's gonna go two or three ways and you know me tim when i tell you exactly what's gonna happen i'm usually right yeah, yeah. so either justice is gonna get him out of there in the first round or it's going to go all three rounds, and it's going to be a scrap. I'm talking a barn burner, family guy version of Peter Griffin versus the chicken. It's going to be disgusting. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, at the uh, at the top of that bracket, uh, another Kentucky guy, Peyton Hughes, uh, from up there at Hybrid Martial Arts. Uh, it used to be with Four Seasons. I'm familiar with him. Uh, he is going to be taking on a guy that we just saw hit a massive head kick knockout in this last uh, show in Taylor Roderick. Uh, Jeff, any thoughts on those guys, man? Those uh, those guys are, Peyton are some Peyton Hughes. Peyton Hughes there. Okay. And then, uh, of course, uh, just a quick, uh, wow, I got you guys, man. I like this conversation here. Uh, a quick dive into uh, the other side of the, the, the weight classes here at 145. We've got the, uh, and what is in my opinion, these are very different brackets. They're loaded. I think the one seventies is more, uh, the more you're like athletic bruisers, like very tough uh, firefights, uh, slug it out, brawl type fighters. Not all of them, but that's kind of the theme. And then at the 45 bracket, man, the technique, the, the skill that of uh, these guys is something else. It's a really solid bracket. Of course, your guy, Sean Nickel, who we just saw uh, come back uh, after a several year long layoff with a, a quick win over Bradley Brakefield at the last show. He'll get a, big, a good step up here against Travell Boone out of Nashville. Nashville. You're familiar with Boone. I think you said, Jeff, you've seen him compete in Indiana. Talk a little bit about that matchup. I am so excited for this fight, but the bad thing is, man, you got the finals in the first round. You got Sean Sean and Travell, because if those two lined up at the end of the bracket, they would meet each other in the finals. And where Travell trains is actually a teammate of ours. Uh, We're (laughs) under Team Sean Hammonds at our gym, and uh, I really quite familiar with that gym and I've seen Travell fight a couple times. I absolutely love his style. Him and Sean is going to be a technical masterpiece. I'm talking it's not gonna be two guys that got too drunk and decided to hop into a cage and want to knock each other's heads off. These are two guys well trained, extremely experienced, and they are going to create art. And I'm still taking Sean. Of course, of course. <laughs> Sean, Sean's going Sean's gonna to put on a technique display. I'm pumped for it, man. I think it's going to be a great night of fights. A lot of fights, man. We got it's going to be a busy night. Uh, we're going to be running them out there uh, one after the other. We got we got so many, but uh, really excited to have you guys uh, down here once again. Tyler, back to you real quick before we wrap this thing up. Uh, you know, uh, you've got an MMA record uh, that precedes you. It looks like you've been fighting for several years already. Is uh, you know is, is Muay Thai or kickboxing just kind of your your new uh, newfound thing, or are you aiming to get back into MMA? uh here uh, in the near future well all my all my previous matches before going with you guys were uh k1 kickboxing matches so uh me being so heavy with jiu-jitsu i was wanting to do more striking competitions and make my transition into mma Oh, of course, of course. Well, man, uh, I, I'm excited to see that as well with you having uh, so much uh, BJJ experience. I think you'll definitely be a force to be reckoned with in the MMA ranks as well. Uh, 
Uh, man, uh, before I let you guys go, I want to let you uh, guys get some shout outs wherever they're due. You got any, uh, you know, uh, training partners in particular you guys want to give some love to, friends, family, sponsors even. Uh, I'm going to let you have uh, have the floor. Oh, oh, oh and, 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 before, and before we do that, sorry, uh, round us off with letting us know where our uh, listeners can follow your social media too. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, we're on a uh, YouTube channel, uh, Belt Fed. If you guys want to follow us there, um, I want to thank everybody at Triple Crown, my coach, Jeff Johnson, uh, Juggernaut Boxing, um, my training partner, Sean Nickel, um, Daniel, Ben, Paul, um, and Justice. Um, I wouldn't be able to do all this stuff without those guys. Uh, also, my sponsor, uh, Robert's Heating and Air Conditioning. Uh, he really helps me out being able to get up here and get that extra work in that I need to stay de- dedicated and get that grind. All right, Jeff, anybody you want to get some love to? I uh, pretty much hit the nail on the head. You can follow me at, at Juggernaut Boxing, and you can also follow the hashtag Juggernaut Boxing on Instagram. And if you want to learn how to punch people in the face, we're in the Florence area. All right. Once again, this has been Tyler Hampton, Jeff Johnson from Juggernaut Boxing, uh, getting ready to uh, come back down to Knoxville next weekend for Valor 76 at the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. It's tie night uh, at the gym. We ain't just coming down. We ain't just coming down. We're coming down to take some straps on me. All right, man. Yeah, hopefully coming back with two straps to Kentucky, of course. Uh, man, looking forward to it as always, guys. If you if you can make it to the show, of course, the uh, tickets are available at fighterticks.com. If you're coming to see Tyler, make sure you select his name from the drop-down menu so uh, he gets the credit. And likewise, for any of the other uh, Triple Gun fighters on the card. Um, and if you can't make it in person, of course, it will be live on pay-per-view at the VFCMMA.com website. Jeff, Tyler, my friends, thank you so much for the time. I look forward to seeing you guys next weekend. We look forward to it too, sir. Thank you. All right. Our second guest on the show tonight, Charlie Miller joins us. He gets ready to return to the Valor Cage here in one short week as he enters the Featherweight Grand Prix Championship Tournament at Valor 76. That's uh, next Friday, December the 4th at the world-famous Cotton Eye. Joe, Charlie, how's it going, my man? Going well, man. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, I appreciate you as well. Of course, I know this being the week before the fight, probably your last hard week of prep. So I know you're a busy, man. Um, you know, let's uh, let's dive into it before uh, we get into this fight that we've got coming up, uh, uh, and even a recap of your last fight for our listeners that aren't familiar with you. With this being your first time that you've been on the show, I want to let you uh, give a little bit of your background, uh, any of your uh, athletic or martial arts background that led up uh, into uh, you getting to where you are now. All right. Well, um, you know, my name's Charlie. I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I've only been doing this about two years now. Um, never actually thought I'd be, uh, fighting, especially for a championship at this you know point in time. But, um, really everywhere that I've gotten to is because of my coach, Nate, um, at Spartan Academy. And, it's really, I mean, how I got here, I just listen to everything he says. He's just, he's, he's good at what he does. And, you know, I haven't been doing this long. I've had about eight fights, a couple um, exhibitions in there, a um, few losses. But I think, especially after my last fight, I think I'm exactly where I need to be mentally, physically for uh, a title. 
Well, man, I tell you what, I was super impressed with you in your last fight. Let's talk about that. That was just a couple months ago. Uh, you got the win over uh, it's Paul Schneider uh, from the uh, Triple Crown Juggernaut Boxing Group, who uh, we'll see also in action here at this uh, this show coming up. Uh, of course, uh, let's talk a bit about that fight, man. I thought you looked great. Uh, first off, you know, you've got some awesome range and length for the weight class. Uh, a lot of guys have a hard time with that. Uh, technique looked on point, man. Uh, showed some power. Uh, I thought you looked great out there. And uh, just talk a bit about that fight. Talk a little bit about that win. All right. Um, yeah, I appreciate the compliments. But uh, I still did a few things wrong. I mean, chin was up, uh, hands were down. I, I tend to do that. I, I like moving around. I like staying at that range. Um, but the the momentum or something something about the momentum causes me to uh, to drop my hands. And I'm just thinking about my feet and not thinking about my hands. But also... Um, Paul Schneider is one tough dude. Um, I, I threw some, some heavy shots at him and I, I honestly think that if there was anybody else in there, he would, they would have dropped. And, um, but I, I felt on it, you know, it, it, I think it's taken me a few fights to, to find, you know, my, my footing, you know, find where I need to be mentally and, and just, moving and having fun flowing really is is what it is for me if i flow i i think i i, I land more and i do better yeah man i thought you were you were flowing well out there uh in this last uh last fight looked super comfortable out there it looked like uh you know you uh had been in there a million times so i i was super impressed and uh more than happy to offer you a slot in this championship tournament coming up let's talk about that man that's coming up in just about a week uh, of course it is a it's a loaded field a, a very very solid uh field in both the 145 and the 170 tournament uh, i was just talking to Ta- tyler hampton before you and i was uh, we we're talking about how uh the 170 tournament feels like it's more you know just kind of like your bruisers your brawlers your uh you know just uh you know slug it out kind of guys and then your 145 bracket is like very technical very skilled uh, a little bit they're both stacked in, in their own ways uh first uh before we talk about your first round opponent talk a bit about just the mindset of, of preparing to fight for potentially three times take this title home you have to get that hand raised three times in one night over three tough opponents and I'm I'm excited about that. I mean, that's something that um, I feel like every fighter should should want to do at least once. It's it it honestly feels it makes the uh, the title feel bigger. It makes it feel you know more more of a, an accomplishment. And um, yeah, and I'm and I'm excited just to you know face these guys. I'm, I'm I faced a lot of a lot of brawlers, and so I'm I'm really excited to to get to possibly see three different techniques technical styles in there talk a bit about uh you know the, you know knowing that you may have to fight three times in one night you know do you is there a little bit of something in the back of your head where you're like i need to conserve some of this gas i need to make sure that i've got something uh you know for the next round or the next two rounds but at the same time if you don't win this fight you're not moving on to those next two rounds so there's got to be a little bit of a balancing act right right i think i mean a lot of this sport is is balancing stuff like that um I feel like my coach Nate, he's got he's got it honed in. He can see um what I need to do if I need to step on the gas and 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 I I think I'm in a pretty good spot where I can listen in there and um if he tells me to, to ease up in between rounds or or to to coast if I need to then I'm I'm prepared to do that. I'm prepared to bang. I'm prepared to do, you know, 
anything. I'm I'm not gonna give up in there. I know that, and um, I'm I'm willing to to put it out there. So you're originally supposed to fight Chance Keller in this fight. Um, oddly enough, that's a fight that uh, Nate and I have been kind of just tossing around anyway. Uh, for as so it was odd uh, that you guys drew each other in, in a, ra- a random draw. Uh, unfortunately, Chance Taylor withdraws this week. Now you will face one of the alternates, Josh Carinder, out of the Cardsville Fight Club. First time that we have had Josh uh, on a Valor card, so I'm not real familiar with him either. I know that he's had several fights, and he's fought a lot in the uh, Middle Tennessee circuit. Have you had a chance to look into him at all? Is that something you just let your coaches take care of? Any thoughts on this first-round fight? And, uh, you know, uh more or less, uh, you know, do you see this as a, uh, you know, a pretty tough task, uh, to get past, uh, just to get to that final four? Um, I really don't know much about him. Um, I think my teammate KJ was actually supposed to fight him in an alternate bout Correct. before everything fell through. Um, I think, I mean, we, we really didn't, um, work on anything specifically for him. Um, I've got I've gotten it down to where I can I can probably I can figure it out in there in the first round. Um, I mean, if there's anything to, to be worried about, you know, I can I can stick and move until I figure it out, you know. And uh, I'm not really worried about um, any of the guys giving me you know too much trouble because I, I I have that movement I have you know the the range to to help buy me time to you know to figure out to listen to my coaches so. I'm just going to go in there and, um, you know, just see what they throw at me and, and work with that. I love the mindset, man. You're ready for anything. Uh, before I let you go, I'm going to let you uh, have a chance to to give some shout outs. Uh, any uh, friends, family, training partners, sponsors you want to give some love to, I'll let you have it. And then uh, finish us off by letting us uh, know where we can follow your social media. Yeah. First of all, you know, Spartan Academy, mixed martial arts and, uh, Columbia, South Carolina. I mean, this the place is my home. I I love everybody there. I love all my teammates, um, especially the ones that have helped me for this fight. You know, uh, Jason, Francesca, um, Little John, uh, Nate, KJ, um, Daniel. You know, just everyone out there. Um, and you know, I, you know, after every fight, I always tell my mom I love her on stage. <laughs> So throw that out there while I'm here. Um, I'm just thankful to have a supportive family like that. And um, if you guys want to find me on on Instagram, it's Royal C with a dot underscore dot in between the the two, in between Royal and C. And that's pretty much it, man. Um, I really appreciate you having me on and, and giving me this opportunity to to, to show my skills. Once again, this has been Charlie Miller. You can catch him in the eight-man championship tournament next weekend. That's Friday, December 4th at Valor 76, the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. It's tie night at the Joe. If you want to go, you can get tickets at fighterticksforthenext.com. Make sure you select Charlie's name from the drop-down menu so he gets credit. And if you can't make it in person, of course, you can watch it live on pay-per-view at vfcmma.com. Charlie, thanks so much for the time. I look forward to seeing you next weekend. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much to our guests, Tyler Hampton and Charlie Miller, for joining us ahead of their fights next weekend at Valor 76. I think that's going to do it for tonight, Justin. Let's wrap this thing up uh, as we head into uh, Turkey Day and Thanksgiving. Uh, Next week, we'll be back, everyone, and we will be doing our picks panel and preview 
for Valor76. Appreciate everybody tuning in, of course. If you would, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, check out our Facebook page, Valor Hour Podcast on Facebook. Give it a uh, give it a like. We appreciate that. Until uh, next week, from a co-host, Justin Watson, I'm Tim Lloyd signing off for another edition of the Valor Hour. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. If you tell me the three fights you have to watch, um, you know, obviously the main event's got to be number one just because of, of where, you know, the impact it has on the UFC heavyweight division. You know, number two, I would go uh, Miguel Baeza versus Kashi Sato, and number three would be Bill Algeo versus Spike Carlisle. Dude, those, those are the top three fights, and it's not close. Blades uh, Lewis means the most. It's a legitimately great fight. Just because you have two top top heavyweights, uh, and then the other two, from an action standpoint, is what gets you excited. I mean, Sato and Baeza have both performed really uh, in exciting fashion, as well as Carlisle Algio. I mean, Carlisle, the guy walks out and he looks like a star. He looks intriguing, but he looks like a star. So I, I think you're right. Um, I'm selling myself on the uh, on the heavyweight contest between Parisian and Porter, more so from the Josh Parisian side. I mean, he looked really good in his second contender series fight, earning a UFC contract with the, with the finish there. And I, I think Parisian's going to be an intriguing heavyweight to keep an eye on. So that, there's that. And then, you know, anytime uh, Rachel Ostevich fights, you, you 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 get interested because I think Rachel Ostevich is clearly a fighter uh, that the UFC thinks they can do something with. She just is a slight dog here against Gina Mazzani. But if Olsevich is able to get a win over Mazzani, which is going to be tough for her, I, I think um, that would be great for the UFC because I think Rachel Olsevich is someone they look at, given that they've given her opportunities on, you know, looking for a fight, etc. That, uh, you know, Olsevich could certainly be a star, but for her, she just needs to get victories under her belt. And that's going to be a tough task against Gina Mazzani. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.